Hey friends, welcome back to Actually Adultish. My name is Christina Rice and I'm your host. I am a holistic health coach living in Los Angeles. I'm the creator of the blog addictedtolovely.com and I'm the host of another podcast called Straight Up Paleo. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode because I chatted with one of the most incredible humans on this planet. But first, just a few quick updates about life. First of all, the 100th episode of Actually Adultish is nearing and I want to put together a really, really badass giveaway. So if you want to join in, you should join the Facebook group, Actually Adultish Podcast Nation, and then post in there what you want the giveaway to be because I'm taking suggestions because I want it to be the best giveaway ever. And I just want you in the Facebook group so we can become friends. So that would be amazing. And if you're not already subscribed on iTunes and or Stitcher, I would love it if you subscribed. And if you've been liking this show and you enjoy it, it would really mean a lot to me if you would tell your friends about it, tell your family about it, spread the word, just get it out there. Help me, help me promote, guys. Just help me promote. And if there's a topic you want me to address, if there's somebody you want me to try and get on the podcast, if you have a question you want me to answer for my next Q&A, which will be coming soon then please go ahead and email actuallyadultish at gmail.com or submit it on the website under the contact form. That would be amazing. And then I'll look through and I'll try and answer as many questions as I can. That would be awesome. Some other things. Well, I just watched an episode of Black Mirror called Nosedive. Apparently, this is a popular episode And it's basically all about life in a world where everybody just immediately rates each other off of every interaction. And basically, the idea is that people are getting their self-worth from the number that everybody's rating them. So if they're trying to be a five, a five is, quote, perfect. And this girl's freaking out because she's trying to get up to 4.5 and everybody just rates each other. It's really intense. I'm probably not explaining it well, but it's a good episode. It really speaks a lot to the state of social media and how people are defining their self-worth nowadays. And I think you should check it out. It's on Netflix. If you haven't already seen it, then you should watch it because honestly, it makes my stomach hurt thinking about what is happening on social media. And it's, I think it's important for people to see that, especially this younger generation. I'm worried about them, but we can talk about that later. Next topic, just thought I would let you know that this month, if it's February for Beauty Counter, if you don't know, I'm a consultant for Beauty Counter because I love their products. I love non-toxic beauty, safe beauty products, and... This month's free gift when you become a Band of Beauty member is the number three charcoal mask. It is my all-time favorite face mask. It will really pull out the gunk out of your skin and it's just incredible. So that's the free gift you get when you become a Band of Beauty member. Becoming a Band of Beauty member basically just means that you get 
free shipping for the rest of the year on orders over $100. You get product credit back. So every time you shop, you're basically earning money to shop again in the future. You get that free gift with purchase. Of course, you get access to exclusive deals and discounts and you find out about things beforehand. So if you ever make an order over $100, you need to just sign up because the membership literally pays for itself and the cost of the free product is usually always worth more than the cost of the membership, which I believe is like $29. So really worth it to get free shipping for the rest of the year. And I just thought I'd let you know because the charcoal mask is always everybody's favorite product. I've never met somebody who doesn't like that mask. It works. And I want as many of you guys to switch over to safer personal care products as possible because I want to protect your health. And a lot of the conventional products out there are just filled with hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors, and so many chemicals, so many carcinogens, and it's important to prevent against that. And what's better than finding safe personal care products that actually work? So that's my spiel. And if you want to shop with me as your consultant, you can go to beautycounter.com slash Christina Rice. And if you need any help with color matching or anything, feel free to shoot me an email or if you just need product recommendations, I'm happy to help. So yeah, check out Beauty Counter if you haven't already. That that free charcoal mask when you sign up for the membership is the best. Okay, that's pretty much all I have to update you on. Well, there's always more, but it's fine. We'll move on. Let's talk about this week's guest because I'm just freaking out because she's amazing and so inspiring. This week, I have Danica Breisha on the show, and if you are not familiar with Danica, you are about to fall in love with your new inspiration. She is incredible. She's a curve model with IMG Models. She is a self-care coach. She is the founder and CEO of Model Meals. If you haven't heard of Model Meals, it is an incredible company. It's a healthy meal delivery business, so delivers Whole30 approved meals, makes eating healthy so easy, but Danica is just all over an inspiration, and I love her because she's not afraid to talk about the hard stuff. I mean, follow her on social media, and you will just be inspired every day. She is very open about her past struggles and what she did to work through them, overcome them. She talks about current things she struggles with as well. She has so many incredible tips for self-care, but also talks a lot about her struggles with food addiction, binge eating disorder, you know, her experience in the modeling industry and as a plus size model and her experiences with debt and just what, I mean, what it was like to start this incredible company. She wears so many different hats and she is so incredibly genuine, loving, hardworking, and just open and has this amazing energy and aura and just really is an incredibly inspiring person in so many different ways. And I just feel so blessed to have gotten the opportunity to chat with her. She has so much wisdom to share and she is so humble and kind. And if you guys don't already know her, then you're gonna just love this as you get to know her. 
and I just really appreciate her raw honesty and openness and she's my kind of girl so she's amazing and definitely check her out and I'm sure most of you already know her she is an incredible voice in this space and I can't wait to see all the things she continues to do in the future because she's incredible so I think you're gonna get a lot out of this talk and without further ado let's just hop in and chat with Danica Hi, Danica. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk with you. I've been dying to chat with you ever since I discovered you a few years ago. And now it's happening. Real life. I can see you. Uh-huh. I guess not real life because it's still over Skype, but it... It's close enough. Yeah, it's we're close doing, enough. We have, we're on video here, so we actually get to see each other, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I know. 2018 <laughs> technology. So yeah. for people who might not be familiar with you, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell my listeners who you are, what you do. Sure. I'm glad you guys can't see me, though, because I just ate a really spicy, like, shrimp-like meal. And <laughs> Allie, my nose is, like, running, so I'm glad you can't see me, like, wiping my nose. Um, so if you hear any weird noises, it's probably me or my large dog. Uh, so yeah, so I am, my name is Danica Brescia. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Model Meals, which is a healthy whole 30 meal delivery business. We're currently in California, um, but doing some expansion very soon outside of the state. Um, and then I've been a plus size model for about eight years now. So just working sort of in this body positive curvy community. So I model for clients like Target and Old Navy and that sort of thing. Um, and then I also do um, self-care coaching. So I do one-on-one coaching with people. I host events and just super passionate about helping people get clear on what their goals are and then develop an action plan for not just um, reaching those goals, but doing them in a mindful way. So building out a program that allows you to build the life of your dreams without having to um, like kill yourself doing it. So that's, that's sort of my, my elevator pitch. Um, And then I do a lot in terms of just talking also about sort of emotional eating and binge eating. That's something I dealt with eating disorders and all that for a really long time. So that's a really super special place for me um, in the space to talk about. So I try and kind of weave that in wherever applicable throughout everything that I do. Yeah. So I want to, try and dive into everything you talked about because you are a multifaceted woman to say the least and I love all of it I let's start off with the self-care coaching because I love this I think that what you do is so important and so necessary but I have dealt with this myself as a health coach any sort of coaching people are a little iffy about and they don't there's sort of this vibe what how did you get started with that coaching what was that like starting that and how did you sort of define that for yourself so it's funny one of the things I swear by is sort of saying you are something before you actually are like are that thing so I got in trouble one time because I wrote somewhere that I was a best-selling author and it was like I hadn't I hadn't written a book and I but I wrote that as like a positive affirmation but somehow it got like woven into the conversation I was like oh no 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 that was like an affirmation not that's not true yet um but I say that because um I put on my website and I wasn't really doing coaching I was I've really been dedicated to building model mills for the last couple of years and I've been modeling and kind of getting those wheels turning um but I did have these like coaching packages on my website, but I never promoted them. I never said I did them. So kind of recently someone reached out and for a coaching session and I had turned a couple down in the last few months. And then, and then just cause I didn't feel like I could properly commit my time. And, um, 
someone reached out and I just said yes. And I did the session and it was like incredible. And so I decided, okay, maybe I'm going to announce that I actually do these and kind of figure out the system for this. And, and I did, I announced them, uh, pretty recently. And I had a coaching session this morning. I have one this afternoon as well. Um, and I can't do a ton just because of my schedule, but as much as I can do with people I love, um, and it's really about talking about all the things I kind of listed, self-care, finding your passion, building a business, um, dealing with food, that sort of thing. So I love it. It's incredible. Um, and then I'm hosting a couple different events and stuff too along those lines. So I'm by no means a certified coach or a medical yeah. professional, but, but I've, I've lived a lot of this stuff and I have created the life of my dreams and it's through a process that is pretty unique to anything I've seen out there. So if I can share that with people and get the opportunity to work one-on-one, I think that's a really beautiful thing. So I think so too. How did you decide sort of what to label that as? I think that's something that a lot of people, a lot of different coaches have a hard time, I guess, cause you kind of have to label yourself to put it on a website. You have to say what it is, you know? Yeah. So how did you sort yeah. of decide what to say? you know that's what sort of stuff changes for me all the time uh-huh. and you could ask me on any given day and I might be give you a different answer but I, I kind of found like the central theme of what I preach and what I do is it revolves around self-care so all of this stuff comes back to self-care it's caring for your heart caring for your passions caring for your income caring for your body you know so so I just you know when I was doing I was doing an interview with my functional nutritionist and we were like it was like, I didn't really know what to call myself. So I was like, I'm a self-care expert. And, and I would say I am. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, okay, I'll be, a, I'm a self-care coach, you know? And, and I just kind of gave them an umbrella of the things that I'm familiar with and that I could help them with. And my big thing is my goal is to be of service with them. If they get to the end of the call and feel like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't valuable. I haven't had that happen yet, but if yeah. that is the case, then I'll refund them. I'm not, it's not about the money. It's really about the opportunity to connect with women and help them through whatever I can. And I learned so, so much through that work. So it's really incredible. I can't believe I get paid to do it. Yeah, no, I think it's incredible too, because I think that coaches are so undervalued in this world. And I think that more people could use that help than realize or want to admit um, so I just think it's really, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. you know, I was just talking to my friend about, I, I just think that there's a stigma around coaching. And I was talking to my friend the other day and she goes, I wish I had an accountability coach. And I said, you know, well, why don't you get one? You can get a life coach. She goes, I'm not going to get a life coach. That's for weird people. That's woo woo people. And I go, no, it's not. How is that? How is that weird? Like what's wrong with like needing a life coach or, you know, I don't know. Have you ever encountered that stigma? Has anybody? Totally. And I don't call myself a life coach. I I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I feel like that term has been, it's very broad. Yeah, it is. Um, And, and so, and I also don't claim to know more. I think we all have stuff to teach each other. I really do. I think we can all learn from each other. and, And I go into my sessions hoping to learn as much from them as, as they do from me. And, um, I think it's more, I know the power of accountability and I use my daily self-care checklist to keep myself accountable, but sometimes people don't have a process like that, or they have, they're having challenges with accountability and just having someone who, um, who is there to listen to you and to be a place for you to say, Hey, I did this. I I did what we committed to. That really makes a huge, huge difference. So with my coaches, they might just do one call with me, Mm -hmm. but we'll come up, they'll leave my call with an action plan, which is 
you know, at least a month's worth of some little tasks that are super doable that we decided are the next steps. And they'll be, they'll uh, have to email me each week just to say, Hey, this is how the week went. This is what I did. And it just keeps them accountable. I'm just going to respond and say, awesome. Like this looks great, whatever. Mm-hmm. But that just having to send that email each week makes them accountable because they know at the end of the week, they're going to have to tell me you yeah. know, either way. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of going back to keeping yourself accountable. I this is you're the perfect person to talk to about this. I'm so curious sort of how you manage your day because you wear so many different hats and do so many different things and obviously need to be organized and but you also do prioritize self-care. I think it's really such an incredible gift that you know how to do that. Um I would love any tips on that or you know how do you manage your day? What does your day look like? How do you hold yourself accountable? Yeah, that's a great question. So I am like crazy with my schedule and crazy with my self-care checklist. So this whole self-care checklist that I keep bringing up is something that I developed probably about three or four years ago. I was going through therapy for um, my food addiction and binge eating and stuff. And my therapist wanted me to write down uh, what I ate and how it felt when I ate it. And so I had this, I started using this app called Evernote, which is just a free app that I love and swear by. And Uh, I was writing down that and realized how powerful that accountability was just writing something down every day. So then I started like in court, I did the whole 30 and I stopped drinking for a month and I did all these little monthly challenges and I loved at the end of the day being able to check them off. So my checklist eventually evolved over these last few years into a prescription for a happy day for myself. Because for me, the idea of creating a a, a happy life is really overwhelming, but the idea of creating a happy day is super doable. So my, my checklist is basically a list and at first it was really a list of things that I knew would keep me from binge eating. Cause that was what I was really struggling with at the time. I knew that if I did these things on the list, I was less likely to turn to food to numb out. And so, when, uh, so that was really, really where it started. And now that that's not as much of a problem, I just really use it to guide me. So on the self-care checklist, I make the time to do that every morning. So I wake up at 5.00 AM. I go to bed at 8.30 PM. So I don't wake up. I'm not one of those people who can do like six hours of sleep. And yeah. function, no. But, um, but my self-care checklist outlines, you know, I, I have my top three to-dos of the day, which means uh, I, I don't allow myself to have more to-dos because we're so notorious, all of us, for putting a to-do list to like 50 things down and feeling overwhelmed and then nothing happens. So by picking only three for the day, it helps you to really prioritize what has to get done. And so I do that. I practice gratitude, my affirmations, all that sort of stuff. Um, meditation, workouts. And this time, this time between 5 a.m. and about 8.30 a.m. is mine. I do not, the reason I get up early is it's before the world starts bugging me, you know? So I get in, you know, between my workout and meditation and self-care and everything, that whole time period in the morning, uh, how many hours at three and a half hours is my Mm self-care. So it's really beautiful. And it means that I go into the day with a super clear head and a lot of focus and intention. And part of my self-care checklist is setting up my schedule for the day. So I have a schedule and I just use iCal. It's color coded, you know, wellness is green and certain business model mills business is yellow. And my personal business brand is blue, you know, so it's all color coded like that. Um, and I program in, you know, my self-care is on there, my breaks, my meals, all that stuff is on there. And the most important thing I can say about scheduling is that you have to remember that it is a guideline and it's not like rules for me. That thing changes all day. There's plenty of stuff that doesn't get done. That gets removed, that gets moved around. So it's just for me, it's a way to look at my day and schedule my time. And with, with a calendar, what I realized the most, rather than letting it be something that I used to guilt myself, it actually helped me get to the end of the day and realize 
wow, I've accomplished a lot. Because I think a lot of us get to the end of the day and feel like we didn't do anything. When the reality is you've done a lot. You've been, you know, you've been driving for an hour. You've been answering emails and it just, it goes unnoticed in our head. So we attach our worth to that. So for me, the schedule has really helped me to see visually, this is what I've accomplished today. And it helps me like to, and it, it reminds me to shut down and to stop working at a certain hour, all these different things. So for me, it's just a guideline that helps me to attack my days with the most intention possible. Yeah. And do, do you shut down at a certain time? Like, do you turn off at a certain time from work? I do. So, and I'm not perfect about it by any yeah. means, but my goal, uh, I I end work at 7, 7 p.m. And all my checklists ended work at 7 p.m. So I, you know, check that off. Um, at 6.30, I do my evening checklist. So I have a few things. Usually it takes me like five to 10 minutes, but I, I block out half an hour for it just because when you're scheduling, it's so much better to schedule a little extra time and then have space rather than to schedule, you know, exactly the time you need and then to feel rushed. So mm-hmm. uh, my nutritionist always says schedule time and a half, which I think is real. That's a really great tip. But um, I have, so in that evening self-care, I just really, I write down what I'm grateful for. Again, um, different stuff the day's lessons and then I write down I celebrate something I write I celebrate today I celebrate because I really want to be positive about something that I did or something I was doing rather than getting than t- thinking about mm-hmm. all the things that I didn't do um and then I turn off screens at that point so there's no computer no phone that sort of thing so that that, that last hour and a half of my night um that, or that hour after I shut down at seven I have an hour from seven to eight where I can do house stuff I can read I can I spend time with my partner we'll go on walks and with my dog uh, and then at 8 p.m. I'm usually getting in bed and I usually read for 30 minutes until I fall asleep. So um, the screens is a big, big part. I think we're so used to like having screens in our face and it makes it, it, it really messes with our sleep cycles, which messes with everything else in your life. And so for me, the big, big thing has been uh, I don't bring my cell phone in the room. There's a big, I have a big painting my friend did for me on the door that says no screens beyond this point. And it's just a reminder not to bring my phone in the room. Uh, so I set it like right near the door so that I can still hear the alarm, but not in reach of the bed. And then in the morning when it goes off, I have to make the bed before I'm allowed to turn the alarm off. So that's like one of those tips at 5 a.m. where it helps you to not uh, to not get back in bed, yeah. not like hit the sweet button. So you have just given so many incredible tips. I can't even. <laughs> no, and I've noticed so much of this in my own life. Like recently, for example. I think something I really struggled with was what you were mentioning before. Every single day, I would do so much, but I felt like I got nothing done. And something that's yeah. helped me a lot is at the end of the day, just taking five minutes to write down everything I did. I basically rewrite my to-do list, but in the context of this is what I did today. And then I see in front of me, wow, I actually did get a lot done. And yeah. that helps a lot. And also, I mean, going back to you know, waking up early, it's true. If you don't get up early, then the rest of the world, because I, I know even if I'm awake the same amount of hours, it's when I'm awake for, because if you wake mm-hmm. up at eight, well, that's when your phone is exploding and emails are exploding and yeah. everybody else is busy and East coasters, their day's almost halfway done. So they mm-hmm. are not giving you a break. So I think that just shifting your day is so helpful. But those are really great tips. Totally. And most of us, like most of us, I think have much better, like, I think we deserve to give ourselves our best energy. And I think most of us have the best energy in the morning. 
So ourselves and our loved ones. The mornings, part of that self-care is spending time with my partner and connecting in that way and giving him the best version of me instead of the version of me after a long day of work where I just want to shut off and go mindless. So I think we have to kind of look at this, this, look at the hours where you're not super effective and choose sleep in those hours. You know what I mean? If you're, if you're coming home after work and you're watching TV for two hours, then put some of the things that you used to do in the morning, whether you're packing lunches or something in that time where you don't need a lot of brain space and create space for the morning when you wake up early. Uh, Yeah, that's such a good tip. And what about, do you work on weekends? So I do. Um, here's the thing with my work. I, I do work hard, mm-hmm. but my work, I'm so passionate about everything that I do. I feel so good about the energy that I put into my work that I don't keep traditional work hours. What I will say is because, you know, for model meals, I go to our kitchens. On, I work from home mainly. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to our kitchens Tuesdays and Saturdays. That's when the bulk of my team is there. So it's important to me to be there as often as I can. to so just be with them and understand the processes and be in the kitchen and all that. And then um, on Sundays, I block that out as sort of my open day. So Sunday really is that day where I'm not working. And yes, of course, I'm quickly seeing emails on my phone yeah. as I come in if my team needs support with something. But Sunday's that day for me. And then Wednesday, I now just implemented a creative day, which is a block of six hours where I don't schedule any sort of work. It's really a time. It's basically open space to allow for creative work. Because what I found last year was that I was so scheduled that as a result, I lost a lot of creativity because Mm -hmm. creativity comes from the open space. It comes from the quiet and the empty time and that sort of thing. So I have to kind of schedule that empty space onto my calendar. Um, and then I also travel a lot for modeling. So almost most weeks I'm flying somewhere. I'll be, you know, for a day or two. Um, and so for me, it's just a matter of sticking to my routine, know wherever I am. I use class pass as a gym membership and, and it, uh, I can transfer it to different cities anywhere I'm going. So everywhere I'm going, I can take a class. I can stick to my routine. I have my agents book me flights according to this is the time I go to bed. So it's really being mindful of that stuff. I'll call the I bring all my food when I travel. I call the hotel, make sure they put an extra refrigerator in my room. Or, you know, I don't love microwaves, but if that's what we have, then I put a microwave in my room too. So it's just being intentional and mindful about that stuff. Yeah. Have you always been really organized and scheduled? Or is this something that you you transitioned into as you started putting more things on your plate? Uh, no, I, I was not at all. I was like such a partier. All I did was like go to like bars and party and, and I mean, I always had passion. I always put a lot of energy and heart into whatever I was doing, but I was, I was, this is not the path that anyone probably would have guessed. That I would be on. <laughs> um, you know, it started when I did the whole 30 and that's why, I, that's why I'm so passionate about food. Mm-hmm. I took, when I moved to New York city, I was modeling, um, I was signed with Wilhelmina models at the time there. And I moved to New York and I found, I decided I wanted to, I looked at my life and I was like, what, what is the thing that's holding me back the most? And I felt like drinking alcohol was this one thing that didn't have a lot of pros. It just had a bunch of cons to it. It was not really serving me. So I was like, I want to do a month sober. And so I found whole 30 somehow and decided, well, if I'm going to be sober for a month and then we'll do this food thing. So I did that for the month of January while living in New York. It was my first month living in the city. And got to the end of those 30 days and was just not like mind blown at the power of food mm-hmm. and how different my brain functions and how I slept and how I, and my moods. And, and I was just having these epiphanies day after day. And turn, like, it was just like my, for the first time in my life, the brain fog went away and things were clear. And as a result of that, and I kept doing it, you know, each month I just kept feeling like I want to, I just, I don't want to not feel this way. So I started adding meditation and journaling and <clears throat> 
all these different things. And I really did the soul work that year. I, I did isolate a lot. I spent a lot of time alone and I dug deep and I learned that everything that we could possibly need is already inside of us. The problem is we're so used to distracting ourselves or being too busy or not listening in or being afraid of silence or whatever it is. We never do the work to dig in and listen to all the like answers that are inside us for ourselves and our own navigation of our life. So that year was what I did when I did that and, and tapping into that was what allowed me to see big picture what served me and what excited me and what I love to do and because of this whole wellness journey. And I was being super extreme. I was still really struggling with food and food restrictions and rules and stuff at the time. So I was super extreme. I ended up losing like 40 pounds while I was living there. And I lost all of my modeling jobs because I wasn't big enough for plus size anymore. And so um, eventually it was three months late on my rent in my apartment and um, decided, you know, I, ha- I wanted to do something I loved. So I started cooking the same whole 30 meals that I was eating and delivering them to people around New York City, called it Model Meals. And um, and it was, it was fine. Like it wasn't, you have to scale food to make it, to be able to make a living off of it. It wasn't, it's not doable with just a few clients unless you're a high end chef and I definitely am not. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, I, I just was super, super broke. Eventually got myself in nearly, nearly six figures in debt and moved back to, uh, California and into my parents' garage for two years. So that's when I launched Model Meals and really just did the work to continue to rebuild myself. And all of these systems came as a result of this work this of my sobriety of my, um, commitment every single day to, to this self care. It's not like, it's a very baby step sort of thing. Like it doesn't, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed by it, but really it's all, all it is is about consistent daily action, which is why I swear by my self care checklist because it forces me to admit, to visualize my future every day to manifest, you know, whatever I want. So I'm really, really big into the law of attraction and, um, the fact I know for a fact, like a hundred percent certain that our thoughts become a reality. So mm-hmm. for me, it's been about training myself to manifest each morning. So I write a biography for my future every morning. Danica Brescia is a best-selling author, world-renowned speaker, um, like whatever I want it to be. And I write this I, every single day. It's a little different every day, but kind of on the same thing. And I'll write a journal entry for my future. So all these things that get my, my mind into this space of I'm already there. And then your physical world catches up. So yeah, it's just interesting. It's not the path that I would have ever thought that I would be on. You know, I was always kind of like funny friend and the class time and stand up comedy and that sort of stuff. And it just kind of the universe kicked me in the ass and showed me something that uh, it, it reminded me that I was so used to my normal that I had no idea how good life could be because we just get used to our normal. And we don't realize there's more. And so just the whole 30 reminded me of that. And so my mission with Model Meals is to give people access to this kind of food and make it really easy for them to eat this way. So. Yeah, you have literally such an incredible story and are such a success story. I mean, it's so inspiring. And I want to go back to the beginning. I want to get more into it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe let's start. When did you first get into modeling? Quick pause, you guys, before we hop into Danica's incredible story. I need to talk to you about the sponsor for this week's podcast episode, Somnifix, which you guys know I am seriously obsessed with. So if you don't know what Somnifix is, they are mouth strips that you put on your mouth during the night to help you sleep. It's They're incredible. So mouth taping is the cool new thing. I swear. It's the cool new thing. I'm obsessed with it. And no shame because 
as I mentioned before, this has transformed my sleep and I literally will not go to bed without it anymore. So why do we want to tape our mouths shut at night? Well, mouth breathing is super inefficient, actually. It leads to dry mouth, sore throat, and nasal congestion. It can also cause people to snore. So if you have a snoring problem, definitely look into this. It also lowers your blood oxygen saturation and worsens your immunity. So these are all a lot of things. But it also just helps to keep your body in that parasympathetic state, that rest and digest state while you're asleep. So this is why it was so incredible for me because it kept my body in that parasympathetic state and then this allows me to sleep through the full night. So sometimes we wake up in the middle of the night because our bodies are reacting to a spike in cortisol. And so if you can prevent that spike in cortisol, which can be caused from a number of different things, but sometimes it can literally be because you're breathing through your mouth and breathing through your nose forces your body to stay in that parasympathetic state. So that's why I personally love it. But I know so many people now who have been trying this because I've been raving about it and they say that this has totally transformed their sleep as well for a number of different reasons. It's also great if you drool. I'm not going to lie. I drool sometimes, but not anymore because my mouth is taped shut. But it doesn't hurt at all. It's especially designed for your lips. So it's hypo, it's hypoallergenic. It doesn't leave that sticky residue behind. It doesn't hurt to take off. And it has a little vent. So you can totally breathe a little bit through it if you if you need to. It's incredible. It's also designed so that if you need to get it off in the middle of the night, you can basically, you can't open your mouth and it'll come off. So that's a little safety feature, but it can take some time to get acclimated to it. So I know for a lot of people, the first week or two they're using it, they'll wake up and, you know, they took it off while they were asleep. They didn't realize it, or maybe they just needed some more time to get used to it. But I like to put it on when I'm doing my bedtime routine, so maybe like an hour before I'm going to fall asleep, I put it on and I just kind of get used to nose breathing (laughs) and it helps me relax anyways. So I just love this and I think everybody needs to try it. And I mean, they have literally done clinical trials with Somnifix with researchers from Harvard. So that's awesome. And they've been shown to be effective at reducing snoring and improving breathing efficiency throughout the night. So pretty incredible. I think it's an awesome way to start becoming a biohacker because we all want to be a biohacker. So if you want to hop on this trend, I highly encourage you to do it because like I mentioned, all the cool kids are doing it. I am seriously obsessed with this. So you can get Somnifix if you go to somnifix.com and click buy and it'll link you straight to Amazon. So it's sold through Amazon or you can just go straight to Amazon. But either way, use the code CRWSLEEP for 15% off. Great deal. Great deal. CRWSLEEP. The CRW stands for Christina Rice Wellness, my nutrition brand. So use that code. You'll get 15% off. And then I want to make sure that you tell me how it goes. So get it, use it, let me know what's going on. And if you're really brave, post yourself, post a picture of yourself, a selfie with their mouth tape on. And I will love you forever because that's my jam. So once again, use the code CRW sleep 15% off and get the best night sleep ever. All right. 
back to Danica's story of how she got into modeling. So I was uh, after call. I went to school in Boulder, Colorado for college. <clears throat> I mainly went there because I like to drink and snowboard. So I went there. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to have a raspy voice. But kind of, that's kind of sexy. Maybe we'll go with it. Yeah, I like um, it. <laughs> Thank you. So we, uh, so anyway, after Boulder, I moved to Los Angeles and got, I was, I always wanted to work in TV in front of the camera and, um, in some capacity. And, but I was too afraid to say that I was too afraid to have criticisms or people's opinions of me. So I, so I decided to get behind the, in the, in the industry behind the camera in hopes that like, you know, by doing this, I might get there, which is by the way, not how it works. In case anyone's wondering, you have to, you got to just say what you want. You have to go after exactly what you want. Don't sidetrack it and try and be like smart about it. It doesn't work that way. So anyway, I got a job. I was working as a production assistant on the show, True Blood for HBO. And then I did a couple other different TV shows and movies and stuff. My last movie was Argo. So I went out with a bang. Oh, Uh, dang. But yeah, it was great. It was a really cool experience. I was a PA production assistant. So it was very not, not glamorous, really hard work, crazy hours. But, um, Anyway, I was at the bank one day and I was uh, randomly approached by some agents and they'd asked me if I ever thought about plus size modeling. And um, I'd wanted to be a model my whole life because I grew up thinking I wasn't beautiful. I was kind of the chubbier kid, the bigger kid, and, and I didn't feel like guys liked me. And I always felt like, you know, all I saw in the media were these models and what they looked like and they were size zero and two. And, um, and so I felt like that's what I need to be in order to feel like enough to be beautiful. And, and so I spent most of my life in my high school years, my early, you know, my college years, my passion was weight loss. That's all I cared about. Like my whole life revolved around dieting and weight loss. And I was bulimic and I did a bunch of drugs to, to suppress my appetite, whatever it took. Um, and so it was interesting because I spent so much time trying to lose weight to be a model. And when I finally hit this point where where I just was exhausted and realizing like, okay, what I'm trying to do isn't working. And I get approached to be a plus size model, which was actually exactly, they wanted me at my exact size that I was, you know, exactly how I was. I'm 5'10", I was size like 12, 14. And, and it was just such a reminder from the universe saying like, when you stop trying to be something you're not, how all these pieces fall into place. Mm-hmm. And so if there's a lot, I think it's like a reminder when you see resistance like that, when you keep trying something in one way and it's not working, it's just a reminder to try another path that there might be another option out there. Um, and I really do believe that things happen for us, not to us. And, and, but if you told me that back then, I would have said F you. So, um, anyway, with modeling, I got discovered at the bank and I signed with an agency in Los Angeles and started working for like forever 21 and a couple of different clients. And my career just kind of took off. And then I signed with um, a couple other agencies and, and started doing modeling full time for probably about, I did full time for probably about like four to five years. How did becoming a model affect your body image? Great question. Um, it was really empowering for me because all of a sudden I, my friends were these curvy women, you know, I started learning about this plus size modeling community. And so my news feeds on Instagram, you know, Instagram had just kind of started up then and uh, not, start, you know, I've been around for a few years, I guess, but um, my news feed became all these curvy women, lingerie, like body confidence. And, and all of a sudden my mentality shifted, my normal shifted to show me that to, to highlight those bodies is beautiful as well. And so it actually like changed me internally subcon- without knowing, without this being intentional to see curvier women as beautiful too. And so I think that one of the things that maybe appeals to people about my message is that 
the, I don't even, I do talk about body positivity, but I don't even preach it in the way that most people do because I don't even see it as, I don't even see the contrast, if that makes sense. I don't see it as being bad. So there doesn't feel like a reason to preach it being good. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. And I realize lately, I'm like, oh, I forget that most people don't, that's not the case for most people. And so, so for me, it was really, really a lesson in accepting myself exactly how I am. And I think once we do that, when we find that self-love and we find we're able to value ourselves, that's where that lasting change happens. So when I, I always say like all the diets I used to do, they came, the motivation for them was because I hated my body and I wanted to change it. When I did the whole 30 and all the things that I've changed in my lifestyle now, the reason I make these changes is because I know my potential and that I deserve to thrive. And I know when I'm not living at it. So you see, it comes from different spaces. One comes from love and empowerment and one comes from hate. And so when I make changes based out of love and that's the intention, they stick, they become lifestyle habits because I'm doing them for me, you know? And so I think that's been a really big, like piece of awareness. And so now in the plus size modeling community, I just see myself as having this responsibility of being the woman that wasn't there when I was growing up, you know, being the person who wasn't in the media. I just did a target campaign, which is incredible. You know, this, one of the girls has a prosthetic leg There were girls of different heights and shapes and sizes and colors and capabilities. And it was just incredible. And to see these mainstream companies putting out advertisements like that, especially when they're not even saying like they're not even, there's not even like not even pointing out that they're doing it. It's just like, this is the new normal. That's what really, really moves me. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's such an important lesson. I think that people don't realize that we all have the power to define for ourselves what beauty is. And as soon as you Mm -hmm. actually understand that, it's a sense of freedom, right? So when people are trying to put themselves in a box and they're trying to match what they think society's ideals are for beautiful you know you're just fighting against yourself against your body but as soon as you realize okay I can decide what I think is beautiful you know this is like it's totally arbitrary whatever you see in the magazine you know somebody else is picking that and then as soon as you realize no you can decide that for yourself it's totally freeing Mm -hmm. I think absolutely yeah and it takes time it's hard work like it's really hard to decondition yourself to beliefs that you've been brought up with. Most of our parents, especially, grew up in a very skinny, wayfish is beautiful community. And here's the thing, skinny bodies are beautiful too. You know, I don't want the I don't want the the lever to go all the way to the opposite yeah. side where now skinny is shape. And that's not the point. The point is that every woman is a real woman. And the point is that everything is beautiful. And and you can define what you want beautiful to be, but but I think the diversity of how we all look is what is the beautiful thing. Yes, I love that. One thing I'm curious about, I mean, I don't know what the modeling industry is actually like. I'm not a model. Are there differences in terms of the like the plus size modeling industry? You, you know, like I think that there's from the outside perspective, I have this idea that you know, these models that we see that are, you know, like you're saying size 0, double zero. I feel like I don't there's some sketch stuff going behind the scenes in that modeling industry or like stuff I saw in America's Next Top Model like that they're all really scary and mean and they do these really frightening things like and I'm curious is the if the modeling industry is just is that intense for everybody is there a difference with plus size models is this all just is it not as scary as it seems <laughs> Do you know what I'm getting at? No, I, I totally do, and that's a really great question. Um, 
it's not my experience of the modeling industry has been very, very different. And it mm-hmm. might be because I'm in plus size and it's just kind of a different energy. A lot of the other plus size models are, we all grew up being the awkward chubby kid for the most part. You know what I mean? Like we, none of us grew up being the hot girl. Mm-hmm. So you do, you do notice that the personalities that you develop as a result of that upbringing and the things you struggled with do definitely change the person, you know? So that's something I But in terms of the actual industry, you know, I'm very grateful and lucky to have always done it with um, an agency to protect me, meaning that, um, and that's not always going to be the case. A lot of models, if you're an Instagram model or you're just kind of modeling wherever you can get jobs or whatever, you're not necessarily protected. And for me, I work with big companies that can get sued if things like this happen. And, and so I've been lucky in the sense that I do feel like uh, I haven't had to deal with that sort of stuff, but I know that it happens. Okay. At the same time, speaking to self-confidence and that sort of thing, a lot of my girlfriends who are size zero and two models, they're incredible people, but they struggle with their body as much as as much as I do, as much as anyone else is probably more because they're looking at a photo of themselves that they can't even live up to. And if, you know, we have these expectations of living up to our, you know, being living up to our goals for ourselves, but to be able to look at a folder of yourself and then realize that you can't even live up to that is even harder. So it's definitely an industry that is, it has a lot of power, which is why I love to see the brands that are using that power in a really positive way. Um, I'm so excited to see that, people are representing more like curvier models and that sort of thing but I think the industry is just there's it's like any industry there's a little bit of everything in the sense that they're going to be creepy photographers there are going to be inappropriate situations um so if you can find a way and you're in this industry to find some agency uh, representation and to and to approach it as professionally as possible, then it's great. And that's what it is for me. It's a business, you know, yeah. it seems modeling is very like glamorous and seems so cool and whatever. And, and then you get into it and you're like, it's just a business. It's literally a business and you're the product. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you would have reached this sense of body acceptance, body love, this shift in perspective about what beauty is? Had you not become a model? I don't know. You know, I thought about that and it's a really good question. Um, I hope so. I hope I would. I hope, but I, I also think that where I am is in terms of body acceptance because it's, it thrown in my face so much because I'm so in the curve, like, so I, cause I see so many curvy models and I see them all the time. I am right now where I hope that everyone else will be in a few years, like fingers crossed. And And what I mean by that is, and it doesn't have to be that long. You can change your perception right now by following a bunch of curvier models on Instagram or only looking or not looking at fashion magazines that don't represent. You can, you can choose to see some change of what you think is beautiful. And as a result, it will change how you, how do you speak to yourself and what you celebrate? So, so I do think that I've, I got lucky in the sense of that's, it's been sped up for me because of the position I'm in and because of the content that I get to consume, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean that I know that has that opportunity. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point to bring up, which is, I was hoping you would say that I think people need to realize that we, we control what we are exposed to and what we're looking at all the time. And Absolutely. it makes a huge difference if you filter out who you're seeing on the internet, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If people don't make you feel good about yourself, don't follow them. I know. <laughs> Why is it like, it's like a, 
it's like a drug to people. I swear, just, you know, they, they know it's bad for them, but they, I can't stop following them. I might miss out. Miss out on what? On feeling bad about yourself? (laughs) I mean, no. So I think that's a really great point. So something I really want to talk to you about is your relationship with food. I know you struggled with eating disorders. When did your struggles with food begin? You know, I think they began as long as I can remember. Like some of my child, really clear childhood memories are of me sitting in front of the TV eating. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember what I was eating in so many different situations. I grew up on processed food. That's not my parents' fault. That's what was, that was what was around. That yeah. No one knew, you know, no one knew. Um, and so I shouldn't say no one, but, but most people didn't know, you know, the power of food in that situation and what was in that, our like modern food system. And so I think I always use food emotionally. Food was always like a way to take the edge off for me, but I just had no awareness around it at that point. Um, and then I would say, I think when I was about 14, I started going to Weight Watchers meetings and then I did Atkins in high school. And when I did Atkins in high school, I lost about, I want to say it was like 45 pounds when I was a junior in high school. And it changed how everyone treated me. It changed the opportunities had. It just changed everything. All of a sudden, people are like, you should be a model. And, and guys liked me and wanted to go to dances with me. And, you know, it was, it was like this crazy shift. And I remember feeling really upset at the fact that I didn't, I was the same person, but all of a sudden people want to open my doors and help me with my bags and take me out to dinners. And I thought that was really interesting. And, um, you know, the way someone views you, the, what they need for their, that, that's what someone else needs for their ego. It's not about you. And I think we, we forget that is if a guy doesn't like me because I'm, you know, not skinny enough, that's because he has issues. He has insecurity issues where what will he worries that other people will think something negatively about him if he has a bigger girl on his arm. It has nothing to do with you, you know? And so I didn't know that at the time, obviously, but, um, but so I just, I did Atkins and then lost a bunch of weight, saw that feedback and then started gaining the weight back as one does when you do crash diet like that. And, um, and then figured out and figured needed to find other ways to keep it off. So I started throwing up and I was pretty severely bulimic, um, through my senior year of high school, of high school. And it's funny because I was a homecoming queen and I got vice president. And, um, it was one of those things where it's, you just have no idea what's going on behind the scenes for people. You know, I, I, I remember, I remember binging and then throwing up on the night and then putting on my white homecoming dress and going to the homecoming game and winning and my name's up in fireworks. And like, you know, an hour before I have a toothbrush down my throat, throwing up my food. And so it was just like a really interesting process for me. And eventually I had to get all this dental, I had all these dental issues from throwing up and I, and I just had like a wake up call as to what I was doing to my body internally. And, um, and so from there I was like, well, I'm not going to throw up anymore, but I'm gonna, like, I need to find other stuff. So then I started finding like Adderall to take that, or I started doing a bunch of cocaine because I just, you know, found out it was an appetite suppressant and started drinking excessively and just so many of these different things to numb out, to not be in my body. And so I fought with food for a long time. And then it really got to this place, you know, I partied through college hard, a lot of alcohol, just being promiscuous and looking for self-work and, you know, sexually. And, um, and I, and I got to a point where, um, and I was just diet. It was like diet and binge. I was either on a diet or I was binge eating, you know, there was no kind of happy median for me. And so when I got out of college, finally that time, I think where I had kind of a wake up call and was like, I've been dieting for past however many years I put all of my energy and passion into this thing and I'm very powerful and nothing has really happened I'm still the same weight more or less something's not working and I think I had that moment of like oh 
And I saw a book on Oprah called Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. And she is an incredible writer who talks about um, food, like food psychology. And it was all, it was just giving this totally different perspective on the fact that you could lose weight without being on a diet. You could lose weight by changing the way you eat and being more mindful of this sort of thing. And, um, and I read that and that sort of started my path towards recovery. And, and I went through a bunch of different therapies. I had to go to this, it was this incredible therapy called ISTDP. It stands for intensive short-term dynamic psychotherapy. And it's, uh, it's all about relearning how to feel your feelings. Cause my issue was that I never, since I was a kid, anything that came up that I didn't want to feel, I shoveled down with food. So as a result, I never knew how to feel my feelings. So when you don't know how to feel your feelings, you have no compass with which to guide you through your life. So you don't know how to answer a question or to communicate your feelings because you don't know what your feelings are. And so when I did this therapy, I went in with the intention of figuring out how to feel my feelings and process them properly so I wouldn't reach for food to shovel them down. Well, I learned that, but I also learned how to have relationships with people, like all these different things, learning how to feel. We can't numb exclusively. So if you're numbing all the the bad things you don't want to feel, you're also numbing all the good things. And the way that we connect with other human beings is through vulnerability. So if you're not willing to be vulnerable and connect and let someone have a little bit of a control over your own feelings, then you can't have that extreme passionate love. And so that therapy not only helped me to get my own food freedom, but it also led me to meet the man of my dreams and have a really authentic, intimate uh, relationship with, with him. And so, so for me, it was this really, really long journey, but the, that it was really about, uh, it really isn't about the food. And I think that was the big lesson I learned. I remember having an epiphany realizing it's not about the food. The food's just my bandaid. It's the same way someone uses alcohol or gambling or sex or social media or busy or whatever. Um, and for me, I just had that moment and realized that it was something deeper and I had to do some inner work, which is why I got into this meditation and this, all this different work that helped me go inward. And, um, and, and I created this checklist that helped me to organize my day in a way that, um, that supported my recovery, you know? So I'm very much an addict. I'm the same as any alcoholic or drug addict or anything like that. Food is my drug. And so I have to monitor it and be and eat in a way that feels safe to me. Model meals, my food feels safe to me. It's not restrictive. I don't have any rules around food, but I, um, even when I do a whole 30, you know, I'm in the whole 30 community. Even when I do a whole 30, I'm, I do it with the mentality of I'm choosing to do this because I want to, I don't do it with the mentality of I can't have that. I can't do that or I'll just explode. So, um, that was kind of a long answer to what you were saying, but the food journey has been super, super interesting. You know, it's, it's been tough. It's been challenging and I've gotten a lot of help and there's a great recovery program called Overeaters Anonymous. It's free and you can go to if you're struggling and, um, it's a really painful place to be. And I understand, you know, I, there's been so many times I've been sitting in my room, binge eating thousands and thousands of calories in secret and feeling like I was the only person struggling with that. But if you do have struggle with that and you're listening, you are not. And there are so many ways around that. And life is so, so good when you can get over that, but I understand how hard it is. So I have a real passion for helping people realize that food is really important, not just what you eat, but really look at how and why. That was Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, it's, it scares me how many people can relate to that. I mean, myself included, my eating disorder journey began with a binge eating disorder. I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, I really relate, you know, we, what what you said, food is our drug and what we're using to numb ourselves. What, what were you using food and trying to control your weight? Like, what were you trying to avoid? You know, I, I, 
I don't think it was ever anything super specific for me. I, I, I feel grateful to say that I didn't have any crazy trauma. My parents were very present and loving. Um, did we talk about feelings all the time? No, but I always felt loved and supported. And so I think in general, it was just, I think the world can be a tough place. And, and, and if we're numbing, it doesn't necessarily mean we're numbing some crazy trauma. It can mean that just we're not really feeling fully equipped to deal with the everyday ups and downs of life because it has that, you know, there's, you wake up some days and have a great day and some days you just wake up and are the opposite. And so it becomes such a pattern to just reach for something to turn that off TV, like distraction, anything apart from another person that I think we all numb in a lot of different ways. I think it's very universal that we numb our feelings. It's just kind of to what extent you do it. If you do it, if you, if you do it with everything and to a really extreme extent, then that usually gets labeled as addiction. But I think we all have those behaviors in us for sure. Yeah. Did the people in your life know that you were struggling with, you know, like bulimia at the time that things were going on? Or was it, no, you were keeping it to yourself? No, I was super private. I was okay. super private. I think I eventually told like a couple friends um, and eventually told my parents and that I'd go to like, get help sometimes and I'd be like oh it's fine you know and I had some friends like give me an ultimatum in college about like you need to like we need to get you some help so it's been it's been up and down but I was pretty secretive about it because my whole thing was like I'm the funny friend I'm the happy one all the time I don't you know I I, I, I avoided conflict at all costs I avoided any sort of confrontation like I was just the one that like because you know what so the people who are like that when you're like that and you're just the one that's happy and, and so nice to everyone a lot of the time it's because you're they're so terrified that someone that if they aren't that someone will say something bad about them and, and they'll break so we overcompensate in other ways with being such a people pleaser and serving everyone else outside of ourselves as a defense mechanism to protect ourselves from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. But you actually end up getting more hurt by doing that. This yeah. is the backwards sort of thing. Yeah. I'm curious. So were you always open and honest with yourself about the fact that you were having no. these issues or no? So when, no, I mean, I, I I didn't feel my feelings until I was, you know, 27. Like I, you know, for me, I I didn't even know, like my brain, the way, truthfully, the way that I eat with the whole thirties eating changed the way my brain worked. So before I had too much brain fog, just from the consistently American, usual American diet, I didn't have clarity in (laughs) um, any of this stuff, changing what I ate and changing and getting sober changed how my brain worked and it clear it opened it up I just always say it's like someone put Drano in my brain and all the like junk went out and it was like just like light bright light and it opened and everything started becoming clear and so I think like for then I that's when I started eventually getting to the place where I started doing the work to under to feel my feelings and that's when I could get real with me but in the beginning one of the things that really really helped me was journaling because things would come out of my pen that I had no idea I was feeling I know just start writing journaling stream of consciousness and now it's a beautiful thing because with my partner we're able to have these conversations and be real and talk about how we're feeling and that's just that's a way of getting those feelings up and out so we have to think about emotions and feelings as physical tangible tangible things in our body like little bubbles or whatever and if we keep shoveling down they're gonna pop up they're gonna come out so so when we feel emotions the healthy way to deal with them is to sit in them to feel them to cry to do whatever you need to do to talk about it to get it up and to move through it and move on mm-hmm. but we're such a culture of putting a band-aid on it or numbing it instead of dealing with it that that's why we're all stuck in these patterns 
Mm-hmm. Were you, so were, I'm trying to get my timeline all right in here because you had so much go on, right? Yeah. So were you struggling with the the like the bulimia while you were modeling? No. So, so I kind of gave myself an ultimatum after I realized how many dental issues I had and like right after it was right after high school. Um, I kind of was like, I'm not going to throw up anymore. And I I think I, I used to, in, uh, in college, I used to drink enough. Sometimes I would drink, I would be on a diet. Right. And then I would go out and binge drink. I'd get drunk enough so I could eat whatever I want without guilt. And I'd binge eat. I'd like break into people's rooms and steal their food. I would binge, binge eat. And then I'd, drink more so that I was drunk enough to throw up and I would throw up so that I could throw up without feeling guilty about the fact that I made myself throw up, but rather trick myself into thinking, Oh, I'm too drunk. I'm throwing up. So, so, you know, there's so many crazy patterns, but really like for me, the actual, I would say bulimia was more in high school, but the, the bulimia was actually, you know, it's funny, like the binge eating and that sort of thing was so much more painful. And that was the hardest thing to kick because it was like, I, I felt like a functioning alcoholic. You know what I mean? You're just, you're out in the world, things are fine, but then behind closed doors, but, and like, no one can tell anything's going on, but it just, it just feels kind of crazy. You feel really alone. I really want to talk about maybe the comparison between tr- trying to break a food addiction versus, uh, you know, drink, like drinking or like a drug addiction. Yeah. Cause these are oftentimes compared. And as somebody <laughs> who's struggled with sort of both, I would love to hear your perspective on the differences between the two. Yeah, totally. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say one's harder than the other or anything like that. I will say food is challenging because you have to eat every day. Mm-hmm. It's like the one addiction that you can't like give up fully. And I find that for me, it's black and white is so much easier than having some sort of gray area. For me, I like to eliminate the necessity to use willpower. We only have so much willpower in the day. So if I can eliminate the necessity and have it really clear for myself in terms of like what I do, what I don't do, then I don't have to think about it because there's no option. There's no backup plan. There's no alternative. And so with drinking, what I, what was easy for me and drinking, here's the thing. I guess I abused alcohol. Drinking was never the thing that I was like craving or couldn't stop doing. It was just another like tool I used, but the food was the thing that got, that kept me feeling like crazed. And so I think with even with any addiction that you struggle with, and I've dealt with a lot of different addictions and people with addictions in my life. And I think anything that you struggle with comes back to this idea of not, not being willing or not having the tools to deal with the feelings that are going on in your body. And so finding an alternative to not have to deal with them. So I think if we can look at addiction and recovery as changing the way people deal with feelings and we start young and we start being vulnerable and we start talking about how we feel and we start helping people get those feelings up and out of them and to feel heard. I think we'll see a lot less addiction. Mm -hmm. I also, I love how you explain how, you know, doing a whole 30 eventually led to your food freedom and your emotional freedom. I think that's really beautiful. And I had a very similar experience. I think that changing my diet really healed me emotionally and physically And Mm -hmm. do you ever encounter people now saying that the way you eat now is a restrictive mindset? Yeah, of course. And and here's the thing, like, I don't care so much anymore. Like I used to get really defensive about that stuff. The only thing that matters is that I do what works for me. And that changes too, you know, that you have to understand that that changes right now, the way I'm eating that feels really good and really peaceful to me 
is different than the way I was eating two months ago that felt really peaceful to me, you know? But what I do know is that when I am sort of in a free for all or I'm allowed to, or I, or I'm eating truthfully for me, if I'm eating sweet stuff at all, it's triggering for me. Mm-hmm. It causes me to use more energy to in this inner battle in my head. that's not productive. So if I just sort of eliminate it and not, not put a rule there, but put it, empower myself to say, I'm going to steer clear of it because I know it's more work than I want to deal with. So I don't eat sweet stuff. And and truthfully, the thing that I'm working on the most right now, which has been a real, um, like really an eye opener is because, you know, I was, I, I've eaten really clean for the last three or four years for the most part, really clean. And, but I've always been, you know, I've always carried a little bit of extra weight, which I'm fine with. It's not a body positivity thing. Like I, I do love myself exactly as I am, but I do also want to live my life uh, not caring anything that doesn't serve me. And that is my mission. And so I had to look at how and why I was eating, as I always have, and pay attention to the fact that I was overeating in almost all situations. I never let my body get hungry. I was it was I was eating because of the time of the day or because I hadn't eaten in a while or because I had it in the fridge and because it was healthy, I could eat as much as I wanted. And that's not the case either. And so I really had to start paying attention to my portions and reprogramming hunger for myself so that when I wake up, I'm hungry. I have a meal. And then right about that time, five hours later or five, six hours later, whatever I want to be, I'm starting to get a little hungry for the next meal and I have it and satisfied, you know? And so, so for me, that's been this past month, it's been really about paying attention to my body's hunger cues because we've been taught as a society to look outside ourselves to tell us how to live our lives instead of, instead of looking inside of ourselves and saying, am I hungry? We'll ask your body. Your body is the one that food is is for, you know? Okay. So I think that that goes in any situation we can say that, uh, we're so used to looking outside of ourselves. So what's going to make us happy, this kind of job, this kind of person, this kind of, uh, paycheck, whatever, but we don't, we don't tune in. And I remember having that, those moments many, many times. Um, so for me with food right now, you know, my food freedom is three meals a day. I don't snack, but I always eat when I'm hungry. So if I, some days maybe I make a meal that, um, and I have my portion meals. So the truth is it's very easy for me to eat clean. I started a bit like, but I'm also not going to use that as an excuse for someone not to, because the truth is I created something I needed. That's an innovator. And we all have that capability to create what we need and something that's not there. So for me, I was like, I want these meals, uh, pre-made meals. It's to, model meals is so much more than meal delivery to me because I think this sort of thing can really, really help people who struggle with food. This idea of having food in their refrigerator that feels safe to them, that's portioned, that's there, that nourishes them, and they don't have to think about it. Model meals, like my, the appeal for me to, to, when I tell people is, you think about food for five minutes a week. That's it. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I've spent my entire life thinking about food, that piece is incredible. Has, it's invaluable. And so... So for me, that works. Those me, I have my like bulletproof matcha in the morning with a bunch of healthy fats and collagen and everything. And then I have three meals. And if for some reason, like I get hungry, then I eat, you know, I'll have half an avocado or I'll, I, in the beginning I had to learn what my portions looked like, but now I have it nailed down where it's like, I know that these portions feel good. I can have three a day and I feel good, you know? So yeah. it just takes a lot of tweaking and that might not always be the case. 
But for now, that's how it feels. And I avoid sweet stuff and I avoid sugar. And and my life is a lot more peaceful. I have a lot more energy and clarity to put towards the things I'm passionate about and that actually drive me forward versus these things that are self-sabotaging. Yeah. And I really appreciate you being able to offer that perspective and articulate it so eloquently because this is something – it resonates a lot with me. I had the same experience. Sugar is definitely my trigger. And I feel Mm – so I haven't – I've been, like, totally sugar-free for – you know, over a year now. And I feel like for the first time in my life in the past few months, I'm actually able to listen to my body and intuitively eat and know when, when I need more protein, more carb, more fat, more food. No, I'm full. No, I'm hungry. You know, I feel like for the first time I do, I'm able to do that. And for me, that's been food freedom. Now I understand intuitive eating more and I get frustrated by a lot of the stuff in the media right now about I don't know if you've noticed this. Probably not because you don't. You only follow people who are positive. <laughs> but um, <laughs> people, you know, intuitive eating is this huge topic right now. I'm noticing, mm-hmm. and people, it has turned into shaming people who don't eat sugar. I've noticed. So you know, people oh, saying, yeah, 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 which is really sad to me because I think there are a lot of people. I mean, you understand the brain connection the chem the chemistry behind how absolutely foods you know become addictive in our bodies and then people can't control you know their feelings mm-hmm. and it, it's like a drug you know it's more addictive than cocaine absolutely. you know yeah. um and it it really makes it hard for me because you know when I have clients as a health coach and I see people they're shaming themselves because they think well I should be able you know I read this and this person says that if I don't like, if I don't eat a cookie every week, that means I'm restricting and then I'm a bad person. And it's just gone so far yeah. the other way, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. And, and here's the thing. I think that's another like reminder for us all to stay in our own lanes. Yeah. You know, we have to stay in our own lane. We have to figure out what works for us because I have a lot of friends who can have a little bit of sugar every day. No big deal. Put it away. If I have a little bit of sugar, I have, I don't have a little bit of sugar. Yeah. I have a lot of sugar and I binge on sugar and I eat it and then I'm paralyzed mm-hmm. and I don't do anything and my business suffers and I have too many people that count on me for their employment, for their living, for their well being, or just for the content I share for me to, to, to take that from them. And so it, it would be selfish for me to allow my eating disorder or my addiction to step in and get in the way of me shining my brightest light. And yes, some people restricting sugar is they're right, is going to be bad for them that because they restrict and they don't actually have a problem with binging on sugar. It's just a problem with restricting. But for someone who does and it feels like a trigger, like we just have to, it always comes back to staying in our body and tuning in and ask, listening to how we feel. I think that is the biggest problem in America and around the world is we do not pay, we do not let ourselves, our feelings guide us. We are not willing to feel how we feel. And if we did that, we'd understand what works for us. Mm-hmm. I feel really good right now. I'm like, cool. Then yeah. like, yeah, sure. People are like, it's strict. I have to explain so many times to people why I can do a whole 30 and that doesn't set me off for, um, my restrictive eating. It's, it's mindset. It's, it's totally mindset. Mm-hmm. I think also intention, so. intention behind it. Are you doing this because you hate your body or because you love your body? Exactly. You know, exactly. That, exactly. Where yeah. does it come from? Mm-hmm. Totally. It's very, yeah, no, it's very different. Um, uh, one thing I'm also curious about is how this has affected your relationships. I know, you know, right now you're with somebody, you're in a great relationship. You know, 
how were you able to open yourself? Were you always able to open yourself up to love like that? Or was there something that changed that made that available to you? Oh gosh, no, I was like friend zone all the time. Like I had so many hot guy friends that I just, you know, I never thought I was worth, I never thought I was worth loving. You know, I never thought these guys would be interested in me. I was the big girl, you know, and I spent a lot of my life in love with this guy that, um, uh, for all the wrong reasons. And he didn't love me back. And, and it was, I was in love with the idea of him, not him as a person. And I, what the idea of what dating him meant about me. And, um, and, and until I did, until I was willing to be vulnerable, it's, you can't, I don't think you can find love in a really healthy relationship if you are not willing to be vulnerable, if you are not willing to feel the negative feelings and the good ones. So for me, the reason that I found the relationship that I have now is because I, I, was, I, I did this therapy to, to feel my feelings and to understand through this therapy that my feelings will not kill me. Cause I think that we have this like kind of ingrained thing about like my feelings will kill me. Mm-hmm. And then we finally do the work to, to be brave enough to really sit through them and feel them and learn to, to use them properly. You actually realize how incredible they are. And sometimes they hurt, but they guide you, they're a compass. And so for me being able to feel, you know, when my boyfriend and I went on our first date, there was no BS. There were no games. And he was totally vulnerable. And he told me how he felt and he was so communicative and, and he's gone through a lot of different programs to work on that stuff himself. And, um, and, and because of that, we met each other where we were and we were able to connect on a really deep level right off the bat because we were real, you know? Yeah. How did you guys meet? Actually on Tinder, which is so funny, but I, we both like, he was, he's a chef and, um, we just connected and really spontaneous. I was trying to get my, I had all these excuses for why I didn't want to date anyone in Orange County and why I was, I couldn't, I wasn't going to meet anyone. Cause you know, I don't drink. I wasn't going out. I was literally working all the time. I lived in a garage. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, you know, and I was on there and, and we just connected and we got coffee, um, and knew right away. I mean, I felt physically, I mean, I moved during our date. I moved into a different chair to sit closer to him. Like there was this physical draw. So I think we've been together in past lives. So <laughs> no, I believe that. So on your first date, did you just like tell everything? Yeah, but he set the stage for that. Okay. You know, I love he, that. <laughs> he's, he's incredibly sensitive. He's very masculine, but incredibly sensitive and has a great feminine side in the sense that he was very open with me. He told me all about him and, and what was going on with him. And it, it, it created space for me to do the same. So when I was like so blown away by this man talking about his feelings and being so vulnerable and real that I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, this is what we're going to do. Let's do it. You know? Mm-hmm. So I told him my stuff and we just, as a result, it was like, we, I feel like we progressed like a year. What usually takes a relationship like a year. We just progressed in like an hour on the yeah. because we skipped the bullshit. That's amazing. That's how you know it's real. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's great. It takes a long time to get there and you, and you attract where you are. You yeah. know? So the best thing we can do is stop looking for someone to fill the holes that we have and be whole ourselves, and then attract people at that level. I love that. Okay. I know I've kept you over when I should keep you one last thing. So just for people, I want you to know it's okay. Um, maybe just like explain what model meals is a little bit more for people who want to check it out more. Totally. So we are a meal delivery business. There's no subscriptions or anything necessary. We're hundred percent whole 30, which means that we don't use any grains, dairy, added or refined sugars, any soy legumes or alcohol. So a ton of really fresh, local, organic vegetables, really high quality, um, humanely raised, sustainable meats, grass fed beef, wild cut fish, that sort of thing. Um, and then really healthy fats. So, you know, 
avocado oil, coconut oil, like all these really great sort of different things for you. So everything, all the meals are pre-made, they're fresh, not frozen. Um, they are, we get delivered twice a week on Sundays and Wednesdays and our menu changes every week. So you're always getting different stuff and it's mix and match. So you can pick exactly what you want, leave the rest. Um, and it just comes to your house in like an insulated box where it, it can you know be for 24 hours. You don't have to be home to receive it. And, um, and yeah, the website's super user-friendly. You just pick what you want and put it in your cart. And, and it really, you know, for not only people see meal delivery and they think it's a luxury and think it's not for them, but I, I wish that people would take the time to really pay attention to the money that they save when they do something, the energy, the time they save. I don't spend any time cooking. And, and do I like to cook? Yes. I, I, I did a lot of cooking when I had mom initially and I was actually cooking. We have about 30 something employees now. So um, we have incredible chefs and a great kitchen team. And um, so, so now it's more, for me, it's just been this total gift of freedom. It's been this gift of, of getting my energy back and my time back. And, and I think about all the time that I spend not cooking or not washing dishes or not grocery shopping. And the fact that all of that time goes into putting the content I do on social media or interacting with my community or hosting events or whatever it is. So model meals, it's, it's, I mean, I, and I'm not just saying this, there isn't anything like it out there. We Mm -hmm. work really, really hard to make a really high quality product. Our sourcing is unbelievable. Our farms are incredible. Um, and there's a lot of love that goes into the food. So yeah, no, I love that. And what area do you guys service? Who can? Great question. Yeah. yeah. So currently we serve all of Southern California, so San Diego up to Santa Barbara, and then we serve San Francisco Bay Area. Um, we're launching a few different California territories potentially by the time this airs. So we're looking at kind of like Fresno, Sacramento, Napa, um, Sonoma areas. And then in about in a few months, we're going to be launching Las Vegas and Phoenix. And then in September-ish, we're going to be opening an Austin kitchen. So that'll serve Austin. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. You are such a badass. And I didn't realize that you guys were in the Bay Area. I need to tell my dad to get some of your meals because he is. Yeah. No, I think it's so incredible that service. I mean, people, I'm sorry, there is no excuse to eat a healthy diet. Like, it's right. It's just, you know what? You can have it delivered right to your door. Right. So, and our meals are seven dollars to 15, 15 max. That's like a grass fed steak meal, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not. You're, it, it's it's more expensive to go to the salad bar at Whole Foods and mm-hmm. like you had to get up and drive there and go through the process, you know? So, no, I seriously love that. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Can you tell my audience where they can find you, connect with you, if they want to reach out, if they want to find more of your work, if they want to get some coaching? Absolutely. So my website is danicabrysha.com. That's just my name, D-A-N-I-K-A-B-R-Y-S-H-A.com. On there, um, if you subscribe to my newsletter, I have a, um, a thing that I send out all about setting goals that stick and then a bunch of different goal ideas that you can start today that are really, really effective. Um, and then on my website, on my blog, if you're interested in the self-care checklist, there's a blog, a blog post about that there. I also host events. So we have brunch series events that are happening a couple times every month that we have at our home. It's like a, a sort of like an intention setting workshop uh, with a really nice, healthy brunch and matcha bar and all that sort of stuff. So we're doing that. And then my coaching sessions are also on my website. You can get in, you can go in there and submit a request and see sort of all the topics I can cover. Um, and then I do a lot on Instagram. So that's really my blog. You know, that's where the bulk of my content is. And I'm really active and interact with everyone there. I, I do my best to answer all the messages I get. And um, uh, that's just Danica, at Danica Brescia. 
So, and then Model Meals is mo- at Model Meals, and our website's ModelMeals.com. Yeah. Okay. So many places. Amazing. Mm-hmm. One last thing, because I know you like to manifest. What's mm-hmm. one thing that you are going to accomplish in 2018? Oh, you know, I haven't told anyone this yet, but, um, but I set this goal for myself to make a million dollars this year. And and I want you to understand how outrageous that goal is. It's not like I was anywhere close to that last year or mm-hmm. anything like that, but I just decided like, because my, my goal was just, cause I've never been a money driven person, but mm-hmm. so much so that it hindered me. Mm-hmm. So I've had to kind of shift that and real and, and, and shift it into a place where I look at my time as where I value my time a little bit more. And so I've started doing events and coaching and all this different stuff. And, and I'm, I exceeded my monthly goal of what I need to make to be on track to make that, which has been really just one of the, I remember when I realized when I added it up, I went like, like, Oh my God, like how I have no idea. So this is literally my, like a bunch of different miracles that have happened, mm-hmm. but I'm on track. And it was just a reminder of how powerful this universe is. So here's the thing. If I don't achieve it, did I not get much farther than I would have if I didn't set the goal? You know? Yes. So I'm not someone who gets to the end of the year and shanks myself and is like, you lose, you know? It, the goal is about the journey. And if I don't get there this year, maybe next year, or maybe in 10 years, or maybe never, but whatever. It's about setting something so you know where you're going so that every day you're doing things that sort of build towards that goal. So. Yes. I love that. Thank you for sharing. I feel so special that you just yeah. said it, but I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. Cause now it's going to happen. Yeah. We're manifesting Thank it. You. Amazing. Thank you. Well, I just celebrated being hundred percent debt free about a week or two ago. I had, I you know, saw I on your Instagram. That, so. Yes. Congratulations. That's incredible. Thank you. You Thank are you. so inspiring. And I know that people are going to be obsessed with this episode. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. So thank you. It was such a great. Thank you, babe. Thank you for having me. Yes, it was amazing. So I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Okay. Bye. And there you have it. The incredible Danica Brysha. She is so inspiring. I could chat with her for hours. I love getting the chance to get to know more about her story and her awesome self-care checklist. And I just think that her voice is so important in this community right now. And I love what she's putting out there and the messages she's sharing and how open she is about her own struggles. And I think she's helping so many people. So I just love that. Make sure that you go to danicabrysha.com. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. All of the links will be in the show notes. And I'm just really grateful and appreciative that she let me interview her for the podcast. I love having incredible women, people in general, on the show and she is certainly one incredibly inspiring person so huge shout out to danica make sure you show her some love and if you enjoyed this i would love it if you left a rating and a review on itunes and stitcher please subscribe subscribing helps a lot make sure you join the facebook group actually adultish podcast nation would love to have you in there and i hope that you have an incredible day an incredible week and i'll chat with you guys again next monday bye